0: Good morning. As you've heard this morning, we're starting a new series called Follow Me. I bet you'll never guess who we're going to call you to follow. name may may, or may not already be on the screen. Um, We're going to be going through the book of Mark. But before we get to the book of Mark, I want to just give you an example from um, a movie of what we're going to be talking about today, right? And I'm sure it's a movie that none of us have ever seen, I mean, because the language in the movie is really, really, really bad. So none of us, I'm sure, have ever seen this movie. Just a little small indie movie in 1997 called "Goodwill Hunting." Um, just a couple of actors you probably never heard of, Matt Damon or Ben Affleck. I'm, I'm, again, I'm sure we've never seen this movie. Um, but the plot of this movie is that you have this, this character played by Matt Damon, who is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant, and he is working in construction jobs and facilities jobs, even though he could hold far different positions and have far different education because of how he's wired. And he has people in his life who call him into more. He has a counselor, played by Robin Williams, who keeps trying to pull it out of him, pull it out of him. And you have something within you. If you will leave behind what's comfortable, if you will leave behind what you know and go just try something else, you could succeed out there. And he has a good friend played by Ben Affleck who says, I am so tired of coming here day after day and picking you up to go to work. I keep hoping that I'm gonna drive here one day and you're not gonna come out of your apartment. You're going to have left, you're going to have taken the risk, you're gonna go out there and try to find that thing out there that's gonna bring you satisfaction and fulfillment. And at the end of the movie, Ben Affleck pulls up to have Matt Damon's character come out. And he doesn't come out because he has found that thing. He has found that thing that he is willing to risk everything for. He has found that thing that he is willing to leave behind what is safe and secure, what he knows, to go out and to pursue come what may. And because it's Hollywood, it's a girl. and he leaves everything behind to go find the girl. And yet all truth is God's truth. And we know that there's something about that story that resonates with us because we have something inside of us that wants to follow something that is greater. We want to be willing to leave it all, to risk it all, to bet on something that we are sure of that we know will truly satisfy. And that is what we find when we turn to the book of Mark, when Jesus tells the disciples to follow me. And so if you will, turn with me in the book of Mark to Mark chapter one. And as you're turning there to Mark chapter one, a couple of things I need to tell you about Mark. Number one, it is the gospel of brevity. It is the shortest gospel that's there. The other ones are 21 and 24 and 28 chapters. Mark is only 16 chapters, and not only does it have less chapters, when you get stories, you have less details in the stories. He'll give you one or two sentences when other gospel writers will give you like a paragraph or two. He's just short and to the point, and he moves on. And the second thing I want to tell you about Mark is it's the gospel of immediacy, and you will see that When Mark moves on by using the word immediately, if you look at Mark chapter 1, verse 10, he'll say, when he came out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens. In verse 12, he'll say, the spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. In verse 29, he'll say, and immediately he left the synagogue. You get the point that Mark immediately just wants you to go to the next story. Okay? It's the gospel of immediacy. It's a brief gospel. Okay? And so with that we turn to Mark 1 verse 16. It says, "Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Not a whole lot to understand in that passage. Jesus comes to the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and Andrew, their brothers, and they're doing fishermen things because they're fishermen. And they're doing it on the Sea of Galilee. And this is one of my favorite pictures that I've ever taken. This place is absolutely beautiful. To the north, you have Capernaum. To the south, you have Tiberias. On the east, you have Galilee. On the west, you have the Decapolis or the Ten Cities. So much of Jesus' life and ministry was right around this sea or on this sea. And this is where this story takes place. So verse 16, he comes and he sees these fishermen by the sea. Verse 17, Jesus said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Well, you know that that's the title of our series. So here you see where we got it. He shows up, verse 17, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to take you from being fishermen to have you catch something else. And then verse 18, and immediately, there's that word, they left their nets and they followed him pretty quick, right? In fact, if these are the only three verses we were going to look at today, here'd be your three-point message. Point number one, God's going to show up in your life. Point number two, he's going to tell you to follow him. Point three, you are to leave everything and go and follow him. Amen. You can go home. In fact, Jesus just repeats this in the next verse. Verse 19, going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in the boat, mending their nets. What are they doing? They're doing fisherman things because they're fishermen. Verse 20, and immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat and the hired servants and followed him. There's not a whole lot of information in the story. Can you imagine being Zebedee? You woke up that morning You're doing your family business, you're getting to live out this life, you're fishing with your sons, and you go down, and you're doing all the work, you're mending your nets, and a guy shows up and says, hey, you guys follow me, and they get up and go. This is what we have in the book of Mark. The great thing about the gospel accounts is that we get a full picture from many different sides as we read it. In the book of John, chapter 1, verses 35 and following, we understand that when Jesus first met Andrew, Andrew went and ran and grabbed Peter and said, we've, we've found the one who's called the Messiah. Come and listen to him. That this wasn't the first time that Jesus had ever met Simon and Andrew and James and John. And as we turn to the book of Luke, chapter 5, we're going to see the same exact story with just a little bit more context to help us understand what happened. And so I invite you to turn with me to the book of Luke, one chapter over. We're gonna be in verse five. And what Mark did in three verses with Simon and Andrew, and five verses, including James and John, we get 11 in Luke. So let's take a look at what Luke has to tell us. It says, on one occasion... While the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. The lake of Gennesaret is the the same terminology for Sea of Galilee. We're in the same place. And he is teaching the word of God. In Mark chapter 1, it's going to say that he was preaching the gospel for the kingdom of God was at hand. This is what Jesus came and was doing. He was teaching God's word. And as he was out teaching God's word, as he was doing signs and wonders, crowds would gather in around him. He was attracting large crowds. And he saw two boats by the lake in chapter 2, but the fishermen had gone out of them and they were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which is Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from land and he sat down and he taught the people from the boat. So in my mind, I'm picturing the crowds kind of coming in closer and closer to Jesus. And he's kind of like backing up, trying to accommodate, making space for these people. And he's been pushed up to the Sea of Galilee, nowhere room to go. So he sees the boats, he gets in the boat. They, they go back a little bit and he's got a little bit more room to address the crowd. And he sits down and he begins to teach. And this absolutely blows my mind because if I was trying to teach from a boat, I would just throw up my motion sickness can't handle that. Jesus is teaching them. And so after he's done teaching them in verse four, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Now I'm not a fisherman. This doesn't seem like a big deal to me at all. Jesus got done speaking and Peter, you're a fisherman and go do fisherman things. Right? But Peter is a fisherman. Simon Peter is a fisherman. He knows exactly what Jesus is asking him to do and he knows why it won't work. Verse five, master, we toil all night and we took nothing. We fish at night and there's a reason we fish at night. The fish come closer to the top at night. Their eyes can't see our nets. They swim into our nets and we pull them up. I am a fisherman. This is what I do. I do it for a living. We went out all last night. We worked hard. We didn't get anything. Why in the world do you think that we are going to get something now? However, I've been listening to you. I've been watching you. And so at your word, I will let down the nets. But you're gonna see, it's not gonna produce anything. So Peter lets down his nets. Verse six, when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they, be, and they came and they filled both boats so that they began to sink. Peter, cast your nets over the side. Jesus, this isn't going to work, but I'm going to do it because you told me to. He cast his nets into the sea and all of a sudden there are so many fish that are caught in the nets that the nets begin to break. They begin to try to pull them in the boat, but there's not enough room on the boat for all the fish that they have. So they call their other partners, bring your boats, and they begin to fill those boats. But there's so many fish that the boats begin to sink. And we are to understand in that moment what Peter understood, that Jesus has all authority in this world. That he told them to cast the nets because he knew the fish were going to come because he was going to send them. He was wanting to demonstrate who he is and what he can do to Peter. And when Peter had caught nothing, Jesus had him catch more fish than he had ever caught before. And what was Peter's response? When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. It's not what I'm expecting. I'm expecting, thank you. Oh my goodness. We're rich. You have given me more than I could ever have asked or imagined. But Peter knew. He had doubted. He had not thought that this was the way it was going to go that he hadn't trusted in who Jesus was and what Jesus had was said he was going to do. And so he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man. There's a difference between the two of us. You are holy and righteous and good, and I am sinful. What a statement of humility that Peter makes. To be honest with you, it's one that we should all make. When we compare our lives to the Lord, when we compare our actions with what He has called us to, we fall short. We fall short time and time again. Peter is saying, I am unworthy, and this is the truth. We are unworthy before a holy God. Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus responds a little differently. He says, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. We saw them in Mark chapter 1, 19 and 20. They're on the scene here. They all can't believe what they have just seen. What they have seen is miraculous. What they have seen is confirmation of who Jesus is. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. Peter's statement, Simon's statement, depart from me, for I am a sinful man is one of fear. I am not worthy to be in your presence. You need to depart from me because you are unlike me. And Jesus says, I know, do not be afraid. I have shown you who I am in providing you fish. And as a fisherman, the greatest need that you have is to catch fish. But I am providing something more for you. I am going to save your soul. I'm going to save you from your sins. Do not be afraid And from now on, what I have given you, you are now going to turn around and give to someone else because you are no longer going to be a fisherman. You are going to be a fisher of men. What I have done for you, you will share with others. From now on, you will be catching men you will continue to cast your nets over the side even when you don't know if it is a wise thing to do. And instead of fish that are getting trapped in your nets, it will be the souls of men and women who understand through your ministry who I am and what I have done. So in verse 11, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. We get to the same ending that we had in Mark. They left everything and followed him. But we have a little bit more context now. Why was their response to follow Jesus? Following Jesus was their response to the person and the work of Jesus. They saw who he was, that he had authority. They saw what he did by providing the fish. And they understood that he is worthy and that they could follow him. And they did. And it says that they left everything to do so. 2024. We're almost 2,000 years from this story, and we are many, many, many miles from the Sea of Galilee. But yet our call is the same. He looks at us and says, follow me. And so following Jesus is our response to the person and the work of Jesus when we come to understand who he is, when we come to understand that he has died and risen again from us, we give him everything. We follow him. We leave everything behind. And so what does that mean for us? What does it mean to follow him, to leave everything behind? I want to talk to you about three things I think the disciples were willing to do the first thing they were willing to do is they were willing to count the cost. Now, this is kind of a churchy term. Um, We do see this term in scripture, but it's something that you guys know what this means. This is, in effect, making a pros and cons list. This is doing a cost-benefit analysis. This is understanding when I make this decision, this is what I'm giving up. And so in that moment, as Jesus was calling them to follow him. They knew that they were going to be leaving behind their nets and their boats. They knew they were going to be leaving behind their safety and security. They weren't going to have a money-making job anymore. All the things that they had prepared and trained for, their safety, their security, their comfort, they were leaving that behind. They knew the cost. In Mark chapter 1, it says they left Zebedee in the boat. They were leaving their family in that moment they were able to understand everything that they were being asked to give up. They counted the cost. Have you had to count the cost sometimes when Jesus has asked you to follow him? One of the times that I had to in my life, my my wife and I were looking for work after school, And we really had our heart set on living in Texas. We wanted to be somewhere between Dallas and San Antonio. One, because it's much warmer there, which is a good thing, right? But two, that's where our family is. I had grown up far away from my family. My wife had grown up far away from her family. We loved the idea of being close to home so that our kids could have a different relationship with their grandparents than we had had. And so we looked and we looked for jobs in Austin. It wasn't working out. And all of a sudden we had a job offer here in Topeka. And it's far from family. We had no relationships here. We didn't know people. There was no safety, no security. Yet we thought Jesus was telling us to follow him. And so I remember standing in Walmart on Wanamaker at 10 p.m. at night, talking to my wife, being like, I think this is it. And this is going to be an adventure. And we said, yes. It's counting the cost. When have you had to count the cost of what it was going to mean to follow Jesus? The next thing the disciples did was they left everything behind. They didn't bring their boats with them. They didn't bring their nets with them. They didn't even bring their families with them. They made a decision that we've counted the cost, and he has said to follow him, so we're going to get up and we are going to go with him. And they went. It says they left everything behind. And they counted the cost, and they left everything behind to follow without knowing the destination. They did not know where they were going. They had to count the cost, not knowing exactly what was on the other side. For three years, they walked around following Jesus, watching him do his work and his ministry. They saw him heal. They saw him teach. They saw him cast out demons. They thought that the kingdom was coming in the here and now, even though Jesus told them things like, hey guys, I'm heading to Jerusalem and they're gonna kill me and I'm gonna raise from the dead. They're like, no, you're not. That's not going to happen to you. And then it happened. And he rose from the dead. And in Acts chapter 1, they're sitting there with the risen Christ, and they're saying, now, now is the time that the kingdom is coming. And he said, no, it is not the place for you to know the times and the dates when the kingdom is coming. But here's what you're going to do. You're gonna receive the Holy Spirit. You're gonna have my power and you're gonna go out into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and the uttermost parts of the earth and you're gonna build my kingdom. And they said yes and they went even though that for all of them except John, it ended in martyrdom. They did not know what the destination was in this world when they chose to follow Jesus and yet they said yes. And Jesus is looking at us and he's saying, follow me. And we might not ever have a decision that is quite like the disciples' decision to say yes to. But we've all had to say yes to something not knowing what's on the other side. I remember in 2019 when I took the role that I'm currently in Joe and I were in Colorado, we were in an airport, and he told me, when we get back to Topeka, I'm gonna to make this recommendation that you, you change jobs. And I told him I didn't want him to do it. And to be honest with you, I was scared. I was scared for a couple of reasons. Number one, I had to count the cost. I knew what I was gonna be leaving behind. I had been in family ministry for 13 years, and I had loved every minute of it. I loved the camps, I loved the trips, I loved the week-to-week ministry, I loved the volunteers, I loved the team that I was leading and serving with, and it was a comfortable, secure place for me, and we were doing good work. I knew that I wasn't gonna go on the mountain trip anymore, I wasn't going to climb mountains with entire families, one daughter and one son or one parent at a time, seeing them struggle physically and emotionally and mentally, but bonding together and encouraging one another and seeing what it looks like to be the body of Christ as they go up the mountain. I wasn't going to be part of that anymore. I didn't didn't know if I was ready to give it up, leave it behind, not do it anymore. I didn't know what was to come. I didn't know if I was gonna have what it took. When I got hired here in 2006, my first goal was to make it to the Christmas party. That meant making it from June to December. I had really high expectations. (laughs) I didn't know if I was gonna have what it took. And I sure as heck didn't know what the next five years was gonna hold. I didn't know the staff changes that we were going to have, the the decisions that were going to be made. I didn't know we were about to navigate a pandemic and what that was going to look like. But yet I felt the Lord saying, follow me. And I leaned into that. And that doesn't mean every decision from then till now has been easy, that there's been joy every day and there's this up into the right mentality of everything's better all the time. But I wouldn't trade a second of it. Because when you are following the Lord and what you are called to do, it is worth it. And so where is He calling you to follow Him? Where is he calling you to follow Him? It could be today that you've understood something about his person and work that you have never understood before, that you have never realized that you were a sinner in need of a savior and that he loved you so much that he came to this world and gave up his life and died on a cross in your place and in my place so that we could be forgiven and reconciled to the Lord that he rose from the dead, conquering sin, death, and the grave forever. Maybe following him today looks like taking that step of faith and trusting in him for the first time. And if that is you, do not leave without telling someone. Come and tell me, tell someone in the lobby, Tell someone that you're sitting in a row with, we believe that everyone is a minister. There are countless amounts of people here in this room that would love to talk to you about what it looks like to cross the line of faith. Maybe taking that next step of faith and following him today looks like baptism. Maybe you have trusted in the person and the work of Christ, but you have not publicly declared it and identified with his death and resurrection through baptism, and maybe he is calling you today to take that step and get baptized, go public. Maybe that's what it looks like to follow him today. Maybe you find yourself in a job, but you think that God has been calling you to something else, but you haven't had it in you yet to make that decision to leap out in faith. You haven't been ready to cast your nets over the side of the boat to see what he's gonna provide, but he's telling you, follow me, take that leap. Or maybe you want to leave a job. That the career ladder and the place that you've been isn't what you thought it would be. And You keep looking for that bigger and brighter, that greener pasture, but God is calling you to follow him, to stay where you are, and to cast your nets over the side because you don't know what he will do. Maybe you're in a relationship where he's saying, follow me, and you want to get out but he has more work to do in that relationship. And he says, trust me, follow me, cast your nets over the side and watch what I do. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines of ministry. He's given you time and talent and treasure And you have the ability to pour that out for the kingdom of God somewhere in this city, but you're busy and you're tired, and I know that that's true. But he's calling you to follow him, trust in him. Take those nets, cast them out to the side, and I will make you a fisher of men. Or maybe it's even more simple. Maybe he's just calling you to pray for someone. Will you trust him in praying for that person on a regular basis? Maybe he keeps putting a neighbor or an old friend in your mind and he's asking you to follow him by reaching out, going across the street, knocking on the door, saying hello. You have no idea what he's going to do when you take your nets like Simon Peter, cast him to the side, and he does more than you could ask or imagine. Will you follow him? Because he is calling you. Just as he called the disciples, he is calling us. He says, follow me. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that is consistent. That you have continued to go towards people that you are a God that did not leave us far from you where we were, but you have come towards us in the sending of Jesus. And when we place our faith in his person and his work, you are good and you are gracious and you save us and you have called us to follow you. Father, may we see that there is nothing better than you. That you are worth leaving it all, risking it all. It is worth it to count the cost because what we have in Christ is every spiritual blessing. Father, may we trust you and may we love you and may we follow you with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.